0: go open with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke this morning and stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to continue our series this morning entitled Walking with Jesus. I was supposed to stay in Matthew chapter 17 this week, but God really laid on my heart Luke chapter 9, and so that's where we're going to go to today. Luke chapter 9, I'm just going to read a few verses for you, but we're going to be talking about quite a bit um, of this, from uh, really we're going to be looking at verse 23 uh, through verse 43, but I, I'm not going to read that much to start out this morning. So keep your Bibles out as we go. Verse 28, uh, or 27. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And about eight days after this conversation, he took along Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Peter and those with him were in a deep sleep and when they came fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who were standing with him. As the two men were departing from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us sit up. Three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he was saying. While he was saying this, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them. They became afraid as they entered the cloud, and then a voice came from from the cloud saying, This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. They kept silent and at that time told no one what they had seen. You may be seated. This morning, we're going to look at another uh, event as Peter walked with Jesus. Uh, And we're going to look at something that's widely known uh, if you've been in church any amount of time. The transfiguration. We're going to look at it today uh, and go through uh, it and hopefully find some Very good things to apply to our own lives uh, as we walk in our our walk with Christ. So I want to look back very quickly with verse 23. Jesus is telling his disciples that they need to take up their cross and follow him. And they must deny themselves uh, if they want to follow him. And uh, he tells them, you know, uh, what does it benefit a man if he would gain the whole world and yet... Lose his own soul. And uh, then he says in verse 26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, and that of the Father and the holy angels. And then verse 27, as we read, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see... The kingdom of God. Now, what's very interesting here is that uh, Luke says about eight days later. Uh, the book of Matthew, I think, says six days later, and they're just going by uh, uh, counting from different times when things happen. Um, but essentially, Matthew, who does is not very specific in his gospel as, as it relates to specific times. He goes out of his way to make sure that this happened. To say what's happening in verse twenty-eight. Happened a specific set of days after what concluded in verse 27. What Jesus said in verse 27. Why? Because verse 27 is related to what happened those days later. Alright? So as we start out, need to understand, so Jesus says, truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now, who is Jesus talking about? He's talking about Peter, James, and John. Why? Because Jesus is about to take his three most trusted the three of the disciples that he was the closest to, his confidants, right? Um, They were the ones who he spent private time with. He was about to reveal something to them that no one had ever seen before as it related to Christ. So here uh, what has happened is that Jesus takes Peter and he takes James and he takes John. Up, it says, into a mountain. So he takes them up into a mountain. So to a mountaintop, high up in the mountains. And while they're up there, guess who falls asleep? Peter, James, and John. Now, them jokers had a habit of falling asleep at very important times, if you recall that uh, as Jesus, just before he's going to be crucified and and taken captive uh, by the Romans and the the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Uh, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and who did he take? Peter, James, and John in with him, further into the garden, and he said, pray, 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 and they slept, slept, slept. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus came out and woke them up. Pray, pray, pray. Yes, Jesus. Slap, slap, slap. Now here we have another event where Jesus has taken them into the mountains and our three boys are asleep. Again. They are about to miss something absolutely amazing because they would rather sleep. They almost miss amazing that no one else got to witness because they were asleep. Listen, sometimes we get so comfortable on the mountain that we fall asleep spiritually and we are missing what God is doing. Sometimes We fall asleep in our comfort. And we fall asleep in our complacency. And we fall asleep, why? Because it seems like everything is going great and everything is going good. And everything seems to be moving as it should be. Uh, But then, as we are uh, apathetic and as we're sleeping, God is trying to prepare us for something great. God is trying to prepare. Basically, he's taking us up to the mountain to show himself, to reveal himself. Why? Because at some point, guess what? we got to come down the mountain. That's right. And life, we don't get to live on the mountaintop. Right. We get to have excursions to the mountaintop. Yeah. We get to have moments at the mountaintop. But in the mountaintop is preparation for the valley. Because we do not get to stay on the mountain, we must come down. Now when these guys awake, the, the Bible says that they woke up. And guess who's there with Jesus? Moses and Elijah are with Jesus. Not only are Moses and Elijah with Jesus, but Jesus is not looking like Jesus. The Bible says that he shone with a bright light, and his face changed. Why? Because he had a transformation. In fact, the English word there would be metamorphosis. What was on the inside ex- uh, showed to the outside. The glory that was in Christ ex- For some of you will get to see the kingdom of God before you die. Just six days later, guess what? They were getting to see a glimpse of the kingdom of God before they died. Now let's look deep into this. Two people are with Jesus Moses and Elijah. Moses represents the law, Elijah represents the prophets. Now the law came to show you and I that we are helpless without some sort of intervention by God to restore our relationship with God. Because here's the thing, we can never be 100% obedient to the law. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy that if we fail in just one point, we are cursed. Just one point of the law. Now we are familiar with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments hang in many of our courthouses. It's what was drilled into our heads. What we are children. Even, even uh, non-believers talk about the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are critical. But there was a whole lot of law that went with the Ten Commandments. I don't know about you, but I've broken the Ten Commandments. Not all of them. But I've definitely broken... My share of them. Right? Jealousy. Covetedness. Lying. Right? Taking the Lord's name in vain. Putting other gods before God. Right? Having Worshipping idols. When I broke one, the Bible says in Deuteronomy that I am now cursed. Now, that's not even getting into the theological discussion of how you and I are born into sin, but it is saying that you and I are not perfect as we are, and we require something more than our own righteousness, right, right. our own ability to be obedient to the law of God. Right. The law was sent. To show you and I how much we were lacking. And how we could not do it on our own. So Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. Now what did the prophets do? The prophets prophesied of the coming Messiah and the deliverance of Israel. So the prophets were prophesied... They were the voice of God to a fallen world prophesying God's deliverance. So you have the law, which showed us how corrupt we are. Then you have the prophets, which show us, and are foretelling, that one is coming, who is going to help us, so that we don't have to be obedient to the law, that he's going to pay the price for us, so that you and I can be saved. And then you have Jesus who actually is the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets. Wow. Because Jesus is going to be the sacrifice that the law required because blood for blood. Mm-hmm. Sin cannot be forgiven except for the shedding of blood. So you've got, I hope I'm making sense, the law, the prophets, the prophets, Jesus, who was a fulfillment of both, and then Peter, James, and John. And them jokers didn't even realize that they were part of the equation. Who do they represent? You and me. The church. The New Testament church. So you have the law in the Old Testament. You've got the prophets prophesying something new and the coming of a Savior. You've got Jesus, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And then you've got the saints. You've got Peter, James, and John who represented all of those who call upon Christ as Lord and Savior and are redeemed from the curse of the law through the fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ. So now you have a glimpse at the kingdom of heaven. The full picture of God's plan of salvation is laid out for them to see. The law, the prophets, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and the result of that fulfillment, which is Peter, James, and John, and who they represent. On top of all that, you've got Jesus, and in a moment, and in, in one moment, He's revealing. His glory. Now the Bible tells us that when the new Jerusalem takes place, there will be no sun. Jesus will be the light in that city. His glory, the glory of God, will be what lights up the city. So they got a small glimpse of the kingdom of God. Now who's going to be in that kingdom and the new Jerusalem. It's going to be Moses and the prophets and you and me. And Jesus is the one who is the head of the kingdom. So they're getting a glimpse of the kingdom of God in just a moment. Now, you and I would like to think that we would dance a little jig, maybe fall on our faces, maybe give some worship. Us as Pentecostals, we'd want to, you know, dance around and fall around a little bit maybe, right? You know what I'm saying? We'd be like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Guess what our man Peter does? Our man Peter says, as he's waking up, droggy, half asleep, bright light, Moses and Elijah standing there, uh, half asleep, Peter goes, oh, wow, Uh, let's, it's it's really good for us to be here. Uh, Why don't I make you guys each a tent and we'll stay here a little while. Peter did not want to leave the mountain. Says he wanted to build them tabernacles, tents. They were places to stay. He wanted to build a, temp- a tabernacle, one for each of them. Now, there was two problems with it. This is the first problem. He was putting Moses and Elijah on the same plane as Jesus. That was problem one. That's why God interrupts Peter in every account of this transfiguration. And the middle of Peter giving his speech on why they need to build a temp- ta- uh, tent. For them, uh, places for them to stay uh, in the middle of it. Guess who interrupts him? God, mm-hmm. the father. See, we got Peter here not understanding. This is another reason why I like what Luke says, because in verse 31, they appeared in glory and we're speaking of his departure. Oh, that's the wrong one. Hold on. I'll tell you about that in a second. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, he says, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This is what I like. Not knowing what he was saying. Peter was mesmerized by what was happening He wanted to capture and bottle that moment. He equated and was putting Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah. When really, Jesus is above everything. That's why he's shining in glory. And the other two just look like Moses and Elijah, right? Uh, And so, uh, plus, he is the fulfillment of both of what they represent, so clearly Peter does not understand what he's seeing. He isn't taken the time to understand what he's seeing. I don't know about you, but I think you might want to ask, or at least be quiet to hear if something's coming. Now we know that, as I read in verse 31 uh, prematurely, that Peter I mean that Jesus and Moses and Elijah were talking about Jesus' death. Uh, The CSB says his departure, and the New King James Version says his decease, his death. So, can you get this picture? The Messiah is talking to the law and the prophets about his death and resurrection. The fulfillment of those things. And Peter and James and John clearly heard enough because they were able to retell the story to Luke, right? So they knew, they had heard enough to know that's what they were talking about was his departure. And rather than listen, Peter speaks up and he says, let's make you guys a place to stay. When you and I are on the mountain, we should be listening for what God has to say. Instead of telling God. What he needs to do. When we're on the mountain. That is actually a time. For us to be. In silence. And listening. To the voice of God. Rather than. Operating. Without his instruction. See. Many times when we're up here, we begin to think that we've got it all together and that we've got good plans and ideas and abilities and talents way up here, right? And we begin to think more highly of ourselves and we begin to elevate ourselves somehow to be on the same plane as Jesus. Forgetting that he is the head of the church. Right? He is the head of the church. And we need to listen to what he has to say and not try to operate without him. So when we find ourselves on the mountain, we must stay alert and look for what God is doing. We must be meditating and focusing upon God for direction to hear his voice. The mountain is no place for us to be chatting God's ear off on a regular basis and talking about everything we want and need. It is a time of seeking God for direction and waiting and arresting. Why? Because at some point we got to come off the mountain And what we experienced on the mountain is to be used when we come off the mountain. Mm -hmm. What God gave us on the mountain, we are going to use when we come off the mountain. But sometimes we are not bringing with us what we learned on the mountain because honestly we weren't paying attention. Mm -hmm. And we didn't take the time (laughs) to listen. We were asleep or we were busy, busy talking and not listening. Peter begins to talk and he interrupts what's happening. He interrupts Moses and Elijah and Jesus' discussion to say, Dude, let's build some temples, man, or or tents, and we'll just stay here for a while. He didn't want to go back down the mountain. But listen, where does ministry take place? It ain't on the mountain. Ministry takes place in the valley. That's a message in and of itself. Real ministry does not happen on the mountain. Real ministry happens in the valley when we come off the mountain. That's why the mountain is so important to us and our walk with Christ. It is a time of refreshing and refueling and hearing from God to prepare us for the ministry when the inevitable happens, which is when we descend from the mountain. We were never meant to live on the mountain. Amen. Amen. The mountain is a respite. From the valley. Yes. It is a rest from the valley. True ministry happens in the valley when we come off the mountain. Right. Why? Because where does our world live? In the valley. That's right. Those who don't know Christ as Lord and Savior aren't on the same mountain that God's on. That's right. They're down here. That's where ministry takes place. When uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ are hurting and struggling... They ain't hurting on the mountain. They're hurting in the valley. That's right, man. Ministry takes place in the valley. So we get prepared on the mountain to work in the valley. So that we can minister and be right. used by right, God. Amen. Amen. Yes. So as Peter's talking, he's going to set up a permanent residence here up on the mountain. God interrupts. Jesus doesn't interrupt him. The Father interrupts. He interrupts Peter, and a cloud descends on them. And the father says, this is my son, and whom I'm well pleased, listen to him. Peter, shut up. That was God's way of saying, zip it, Peter. I don't care what you have to say. Listen to what he has to say because he is the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the head. He is the leader of the church. He's the high priest. Listen to what he has to say. That shuts Peter up. And James and John and Peter fall on their faces. Why? Because when the cloud came, you have Jesus and his, demonstrating his glory. When the cloud shows up, you got the Father's glory. And along with the Father's glory came the Father's voice. And when that both happened, they were afraid and they fell on their faces before God. They realized and that instant, well, let me tell you this. When they got up, well, Jesus comes over after the cloud is gone and after God has spoken and they're on their faces, Jesus taps them on the shoulder. Hey, guys, it's okay to get up. Now, after everything's done, who's left? Jesus. Moses is gone. Elijah's gone. It's Jesus who's left because he's the one that matters as it relates to our salvation. He is God. He's the king and the Lord. He's who's left. Right? Because he's the fulfillment of the law and of the prophets. Now, now, They've seen this miraculous thing. Now what happens? They go down the mountain. And as soon as they get down the mountain, in verse 37, Jesus and Peter and James and John walk down from what? This amazing experience on the mountain. They go down and descend the mountain, and they hadn't been down the mountain much time at all, when they came, these group, a the father came with his son who was sick and demon possessed to Jesus. Wants Jesus to set his son free and heal him. The son has a demon. That demon causes him to have seizures. The disciples, the nine, sorry, yeah, the nine, I just messed up. The disciples who are remaining, they can't cast the demon out. They can't. And they're frustrated that they can't. This father is frustrated that they can't. Jesus comes down the mountain. They come to him. And this is where the ministry takes place. Notice the other disciples, they couldn't do anything about it. They hadn't been on the mountain. And God rebukes them. Jesus rebukes them and says, how long am I going to be with you? How much longer do I have to be with you? This only comes out through prayer and fasting. And he rebukes the demon and sets the child free. Because in the valley is where the ministry takes place. And the mountain prepares us for the ministry in the valley. The other disciples were not prepared to deal with this demon. They weren't prepared at all. Here's the other thing it tells us. As that Jesus is the same God on the mountain as he is in the valley. That's right, amen. The glory that he allowed them to see on the outside is, has, was always on the inside. He was 100% God and 100% man. He's the same God on the mountain as he is in the valley. So if you are in the valley and you are struggling and you are hurting, remember this, that God and Jesus is the same on the mountain as he is in the valley. His power is not limited in the valley and it is not limited on the mountain. The descent down to you and your pain and your hurt and my hurt and my suffering does not diminish God's power. So even though man can't help you, and even though a preacher can't help you or a teacher can't help you or no human can help you, God can help you and help me. So even though the disciples couldn't help this man because they had been on the mountain, Jesus was able to help them because he is the same on the mountain. As he is in the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Amen. Jesus walks with you through the valley because he's the same God in the valley as he was in the green pastures. Amen. We don't have to be afraid because he is not diminished when he comes down to meet us at the point of our need. Amen. He knows where the ministry takes place. He lived among us in his life, and he knew where the ministry took place. He also knew where the preparation took place. Many times the Bible tells us that Jesus went up to pray. He went up in the mountains to be alone with God, to be in God's presence. And when he was up there, the Bible says that he got direction from the father That's right while he was up there so he was up there communing with God meditating with God spending time with God getting direction from the father getting direction from the father the son is uh, in his presence meditating the father is giving him direction he's refueling why because he was going to have to come back down and have the crowds pulling at him again in the valley. So we're not meant to live on the mountain, but we're also not meant to live only in the valley. If we're only living in the valley, or we're only living on the mountain, there's something broke in our relationship with God. If we're only living on the mountain, that probably means we're not on the mountain at all. It means that we're no threat to the enemy. Right? We think we're on the mountain, but we actually aren't on the mountain. He's just leaving us alone. Because we're not meant to live on the mountain. We're meant to live in the mountain and in the valley. But you don't make a permanent residence on either. Right. Christian walk is ebbs and flows. Ups and downs. And it's like that for a reason. Because we cannot minister to people if we only live on the mountain. And we cannot minister to people if we only live in the valley. Amen. God cannot use a bunch of Eeyores. <laughs> right? If we're Eeyore all the time, he can't use us. Uh-huh. Right? And he can't use us if we think we're all that all the time. Amen. There's e. flows. The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament who made such a difference. We're standing here because of what he did with this ministry. He had mountains and he had some big valleys. Where did he minister the most? In the valley. In the jail. In the shipwreck. The stranded island. He wrote his letters chained to a guard. Many of them. He ministered in the valley, but he was refreshed in the mountain. Let us sing. Father God, I pray that you would allow your word to be a seed planted in our hearts that when due season would grow and bring forth life. Father, that your name would be uplifted and magnified and praised and glorified. Lord Jesus, help us to focus upon you. Lord, to rest on the mountain and listen and be prepared for the ministry and the valley. And that God, once we've poured out ourselves in the valley, that you would help us and take us up to the next mountain with you, where we could be refreshed and we could be filled and we could listen to you and be in your presence, so that we can come down that mountain and be poured out again to those who are hurting and those who are in need. God, our walk with you is not meant for us to just be a service on Sunday or just listen. To a, a video or just listen to music or a podcast. That's not our walk with you. Our walk with you is mountains and valleys. Our walk with you is listening and being taught and prepared and then ministering in the valley. Ministering in the valley is not about setting it home. Ministry in the Valley is about reaching people with the gospel of Christ and being your hands and being your feet to a lost and dying world and to those who are hurting. Amen. God, touch my heart and help me to see so that I, on the mountain I would be prepared to be and be quiet and stop talking so much. To be prepared for the valley. And that in the valley I would be a, your hands and your feet. To see people hurting and to minister to them. I pray Father. Let us not take either for granted. The mountain or the valley. But God help us to appreciate both. And to grow and to help minister others and disciple others. And worship you. I honor you and I praise your name and your name alone. In the precious holy name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org. Or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.